God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. About 10 seconds before I broke into that opening, uh, my mic actually fell off the table and uh, landed on the floor. <laughs> so I'm putting picking up all the pieces as I'm talking to you. Uh, that was kind of a first. Um, but in any case, here we are. And, uh, you know, what we've been talking about this week uh, in our short week so far is, you know, how we're fighting back, how, how we're picking up the pieces of evidence. We call it shrapnel. And how the left has already played their hand. They've positioned their, they've, they've planted their position. And while the left wants to talk about a civil war brewing within the Republican Party, we know that's a, a complete and total myth, that there is no civil war, that, that, that the people that they said were, that the left said, the people that the left said were leading our party, were never leading our party, you see? I remember once when uh, they were talking about Seth Rich. And basically, they were trying to write off the conservative and Q and basically trying to say their theory is completely out the lunch, cockamamie, ridiculous, whatever, about how Seth, you know, Seth Rich's conspiratorial demise. Well, it turned out that when the guy who was the architect of the Russian hoax, you know, one of the one of the people that was perpetuating the lie to the Russian hoax, uh, that person was Michael Isikoff from Yahoo News. He wrote a book with Mother Jones, David Korn. And together they were pushing this Russian hoax and they found themselves, you know, in 
discussion circles with Mark Elias, who is uh, famous again for the election fraud that's being exposed in Georgia, in Arizona, in Michigan, and in Wisconsin, and in Pennsylvania, where we're going to be talking about some new developments in, in Michigan today as well. But Mark Elias was the grand poobah of the Russian hoax. He was also uh, an integral player in the uh, impeachment hoaxes and the constant attacks against Trump. He hates Trump, as does most of the top brass at Dominion. But back in the day, you know, you had these players. And so we were talking about Seth Rich. And I remember reading the scenario of what I'm supposed to be thinking about Seth Rich's murder. And I read this four-part series that Michael Isakoff put it out there and then would get all of the bandwidth in terms of the platforms on the mainstream media and dispel this notion of how ridiculously stupid he would... M- out of whole cloth, fabricate a, a plot, a storyline that I never even thought for one second. And I was one of the you know, leading, leading people on that issue. Seth Rich, Matt Couch being a great leader on that, and a lot of other people. But the idea was that what we were thinking happened And then what was being dispelled as the rumor as to what we believed happened were two different things. Naturally, the accused plot line from the left was easily debunked and made us sound stupid. So they would kind of misinterpret and spin what it is that we were trying to perpetuate so that they could then take it back to their group and try to make fun of us or make 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 us look ridiculous. And then you talk to your liberal friends and say, well, you believe in that Seth Rich conspiracy. And then they would right away think that they know what our conspiracy theory is. But our conspiracy theory was different than what they've been told it was. And the same is true with um, all of these different arguments. You know, all, all the, the election fraud, for example. Every time we bring it up, they say we're making something up. And they're trying to gaslight us. They're trying to gaslight the public into believing that, you know, left is right, up is down. What they're saying is a lie. They're trying to, because they know that we're never, never going to get the mic. We're never going to get to, to have a say. And I I really dislike it when someone says, you know, when you do get the opportunity and someone says, so you're of the belief that blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, that's not even remotely close. Your interpretation of who I am as a person and what I believe is completely false. Oh, then tell us. And then they cut you off like three words in. So you never really get to make your case. So it's it's like that, you know, that's, that's the battle we're fighting. Because they don't want the truth to come out. 
You know, so there's a lot of things happening in the Arizona. Uh, mainly, though, what we've learned is that uh, what we've learned is simply that there was no chain of custody. There was no proof. It says here, breaking exclusive. The Gateway Pundit reporter confronts Soros-backed Maricopa County Sheriff after his meltdown over a router request. So, you know, uh, but in Arizona, that's the better case. That's the good one. That's the one where this guy is basically um, on fire. I mean, he's basically an attorney, Matt DiPerno. And he's talking about how the election machines could have been changed at any time, any place, anywhere, anyhow. And so they're looking into that. They're looking into it. So we're, I, I think I'm going to actually even play the Matt DiPerno. But there's a lot of other things we've been talking about this week. Like, you know, um, in the Capitol building, there's audio now of Capitol Hill police saying, you have a right to, you have a right to assemble, you have a right, you could stay here. He says, meanwhile, there's Democrat ranking Democrat people. And they say the Capitol Police are right there on video saying, yeah, you could stay here. And they're negotiating with these people. That are they're not even Trump supporters in, in some cases, in some cases they are, but they're actors. And it's really quite amazing to see. Because. You get the idea, oh, well, this is completely like coordinated. Or if not coordinated, certainly not. Certainly not what you may have thought. So we had the election fraud. Then we had the January 6th hoax. The infiltration, because I listened to the Trump speech and, of course, it was fine. Let's take a listen, because I have this one queued up. Let's take a listen to what the uh, what was being said in the Capitol building. The police here are willing to work with us and cooperate peacefully. The police are willing to cooperate peacefully. And by the way, around this guy, who looks like, you know, he's got a long beard, uh, tattoos, earrings, all kinds of stuff. Uh, he's speaking like he's a 1960s hippie. Looks like a 1960s hippie, and he's surrounded by Capitol Hill police. Like our First Amendment allows, gather more Americans under the condition that they will come and gather peacefully to discuss what needs to be done to save our country. Now, okay, now take a listen right here, because this is where. The Capitol Hill police and ranking police officials. There's a guy with a hat, gold badge, you know, uh, a lot of um, stuff that would indicate that he's a, a ranking officer within the Capitol Hill police. Standing there, doing nothing, working, negotiating with these people. Listen. Now, now this is what this voice you're going to hear is a Capitol Hill policeman 
surrounded by other Capitol Hill policemen and ranking officers. Let's take a listen. You're going to hear this voice, and this is a Capitol Hill police officer. We're going to be heard. Everybody, this must be peaceful. This has to be peaceful. And the guy that's going, this has to be peaceful, that's the horn guy. That's the guy with all the horns. Leading the show, running the operation. He flew in from Arizona. He's a paid actor. have the right to peacefully assemble. How do these people get in there and get into that position? Now, we have friends that were there none of them had the access that these people had how did these people get there and nobody else did so this was a complete manufacturing and then not only that but there's a reason why it is that the officer that killed ashley babbitt is not being revealed because this was an act you know the guy escorting people up the stairs you know all of that So people were asking the question to the DOJ, you have hundreds of hours of video footage. Where is it? Because if they reveal the footage, it would reveal that their whole concept of an insurrection is completely bogus and that the politicians that are perpetuating this insurrection and... The whole concept, they used it. Just like they used the perfect phone call to impeach a president, they actually used this January 6th event to ban our president of the United States from Twitter, Facebook, and everywhere, and YouTube, and everywhere in between. They banned him completely. And the liberals. And the ACLU and anyone who's ever cared about civil liberties and civil rights has turned a blind eye to this. And the mainstream media supports it. What times are we living in? That should tell you everything. Yesterday we also talked about, you know, how they're using this pandemic as a weapon, how they're using it to control minimum wage. I got a lot of feedback from that, actually. People hadn't looked at it that way. That this whole thing about the government's involvement in dictating whether you get a check or whether you don't influences your decision as to whether you're willing to go back or not go back. Particularly at a time when The masks have been lifted, bans have been lifted thanks to the CDC. But the CDC only did it thanks to the New York Times. And the fact that there was FOIA requests and all kinds of research, digging, that actually demonstrably proved that the CDC was playing politics with our lives. And people like Redfield and Dr. Fauci and his boss and all these different losers who are investing in gain-of-function bioweaponry that leaked out of labs that cost millions of lives 
are now in charge of the investigation, whether it be this, uh, the guy uh, that was in charge of um, the investigation at the WHO, whether it be him. What was his name? Dat, Dat, I forget what it was, but um, I'm going to look it up. But there was a guy that was in charge of that. And basically, I don't have it. I don't have it in handy. But you know the the the. Um, but you had the guy that's in charge of the WHO, the American representative. He was also uh, selected. He was the one funneling the payments, and then all these other people that were involved with greenlighting the funding. Fauci, Rand Paul laid that out. We have some good uh, audio on that as well. We're going to be getting into here in a second. But we got to put a stop to all this, and we are. We're finding all this stuff out, but this stuff takes months to find out, and that's what it's been. It's been months. It's not like people aren't working. I can tell you that at Magapac and uh, Bugle Call, we're working really hard behind the scenes, trying to make sure that the America First agenda stays present in in the in the ether and that the america first agenda to make america great again will be the will be the agenda endorsed and supported by candidates that will win primaries and be supported by the gop but that takes a lot of different hands we have to force the gop to do the right thing we have to force the Republican Party to do the right thing. And that's why back in the beginning of this show, we were talking about how the left-wing media is trying to say that we have a civil war and that Liz Cheney was relevant. No, Liz Cheney was not relevant. There wasn't one, I don't think I've ever met one conservative that said, oh, Liz Cheney's great. I, I don't think I've ever met one. I never met a conservative that liked Mitt Romney. I imagine if I went to Utah somewhere, there'd be somebody. I mean, I will tell you, there are some right-wing uh, conservative organizations that we've done uh, partnerships with. Not partnerships officially, but like where we've been at events where they've been where there have been speakers and we've had speakers. And I will tell you that some of these organizations are really, that they, at, at, you know, if you go back four or five years, there were people that weren't even supporting Trump. Then they all started to support Trump because Trump just made so much sense. How could you argue, if you're a conservative, how could you possibly argue with Trump's agenda? I don't think there's one piece of the Trump agenda that Liz Cheney wouldn't support at, in a microphone. In a back room, though, Liz Cheney does a whole bunch of other 180s because she's all about lining her pockets with money and getting payoffs and kickbacks. But when they stand up there to get elected, there is not one policy that she would differ on with respect to Donald Trump. 
where the two are different is Trump has integrity and honor and respect and does the right thing. And people like Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney do backroom deals with Enron and Bain Capital and fleece their line their pockets with money because that's what they're obsessed about. Just like Bill Gates, just like a lot of other liberals. They're the biggest sellouts. I remember once, um, you know, I knew this person who used to go to these yoga retreats and some other stuff. And I remember once she couldn't make it. She couldn't go to the workshop. It was $150 or whatever. And, you know, all these people that, you know, wear the nose rings and the uh, crystals and whatever, and they're into this whole workshop thing. Their return policy sucked. (laughs) They had zero return policy. It's like, call up nice, give them a month notice. I can't make it. Oh, sorry, we have no return policy. It's like these libtards that are into, you know, they're the worst when it comes to money. They're hard. Yeah, what? It, well, I don't know what it is exactly. Can't put a finger on it. But you heard the capital thing right there. Now I want to get to uh, this guy named uh, Matt Diperno. But while I'm finding that, I will tell you Chelsea Handler's even coming out against the vaccines. Again, it's starting to turn. Chelsea Handler. She gets this, uh, she does this vaccine, right? And she's taking the Moderna. And she's in her car and she says, I can't hear out of my left ear. <laughs> One of her ears, she can't hear anymore. And she's sick, sick, sick. And one has to wonder, you know, you're like, okay, with spokesperson like that. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up for another reason. It's not just about what Chelsea Handler has to say. I don't think I ever agreed with one thing that Chelsea Handler ever said. But the idea is you wonder if the Civil War isn't with the Republicans like the liberals are trying to spin. But you wonder if the Civil War is actually with the Democrats. Because the problem is... I'm seeing two different things. I'm seeing Nancy Pelosi pushing the mask mandate on the floor despite the CDC's trusting the science, right? Why is she doing that? I think she's doing that because she wants to perpetuate this this lie, right? I mean, I think she wants to perpetuate the lie. And so that would be kind of an interesting little development there. And, uh, well, you know, all the clips I want to find, you know, sometimes what happens is I post these things in uh, social media and then they they literally get like taken down by social media and you don't even know it. They just hide them. And it's it's kind of crazy stuff that that they do this routinely, you know. Well, Chelsea Handler basically is admitting that the vaccines aren't that great. So you wonder if people like Bill Maher and and Chelsea Handler are advocating for more masks, more draconian measures, more control of the minimum wage, like we talked about yesterday, more control 
of whether people go back to work or not. More control of a lot of these things. You wonder. You wonder about that. And that's, uh, that's, that's where I am with this too. Um, is, is with that. I don't know exactly what the answer would be. But it does tell me that there might be a conflict between the left that seems to be losing in the polls in a way that they can't sustain. Like they just can't sustain it. They, they can't continue with it. And then you have the right. You have people. So you have left like Bill Maher, Chelsea Handler. You know, because why would Chelsea Handler get on a video and badmouth the vaccine? Because she's basically saying, maybe don't get the vaccine, keep on wearing the mask. Or in Bill Maher's case, even if you have the vaccine, the vaccine doesn't work, wear the mask. Huh. And then Nancy Pelosi is basically saying, don't trust the science any longer, wear the mask. So the mask is been great for election fraud. You know, the mask has been great for shutdowns and minimum wage controls. The mask has been uh, pretty much in line with the Andrew Yang job market and probably the advancement of the need for automation in the case of a catastrophic loss of, of manpower. But where there's this demand... For manpower, there is this increase in wages. And the, le- the left was advancing that ball. They wanted that. So one has to wonder about all that. So in any case, I have a feeling that the civil war is within the left wing and not so much the right wing, yet the liberal press is trying to dictate those terms. And that's what gets me, is that they get away with it. They get away with it all the time. So, all right. So I want to take a listen to um, Dr. Fauci and Ram Paul, because Dr. Fauci is also now playing social justice. We've already talked about the 1619, um, you know, the, the Space Force commander, Uh, basically getting fired. He wrote a book, it's now number one, uh, about critical race theory. And we've been talking about how Republican state after Republican state's been pushing that aside, you know, like basically saying, no, we're banning a critical race theory, which basically says America was founded by a bunch of racists and that the actual independence uh, or founding was 1619, not 1776. In any case, Dr. Fauci is basically trying to say that the pandemic, anything to distract you from the fact that this monster financed game of function, gain of function, and is probably one of the pioneers of bioweapons that were more from bat, animal to animal to animal to man. And this COVID virus uh, leaves blood on Fauci's hands. The same guy 
that's actually the one perpetuating the agenda. How in the world does this happen? That the guy that was financing the virus that leaked is the guy that's in charge of the remedy of that. How is it that the guy that was financing, not just Fauci, but the other guy, uh, this other guy that was financing these different nonprofits, is now the, the one American that's doing the investigation within the WHO. So let's listen to Dr. Fauci here about racism. Of 1918, as humanity faced a public health crisis of this magnitude, each of you deserves enormous respect for your extraordinary adaptability, resilience, and dedication to learning, completing your studies, and graduating despite immense difficulties and uncertainties. COVID-19 has shown a bright light on our own society's failings. Our country's experience with COVID-19 has not only upended our own lives, but it has uncovered a stark reality and failing of our own society. The unacceptable disparities in health experienced by minority groups, especially African-Americans, Hispanics, and Native Americans. Many members of minority groups have a much greater risk of COVID-19, often because of the nature of the jobs that many of them have as essential workers in society. More importantly, when people of color get infected with SARS-CoV-2, they more likely will develop a severe consequence of the infection. And this is because minorities in general have a greater incidence and prevalence of underlying comorbid medical conditions, including hypertension, chronic lung disease, diabetes, and obesity, that lead to a multifold increase in hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19 compared with the general population. Now, very few of these comorbidities have racial determinants, almost relate to the social determinants of health, dating back to disadvantageous conditions that some people of color find themselves in from birth regarding the availability of an adequate diet, access to health care, and the undeniable effects of racism in our society. Let us promise ourselves that our corporate memory of this tragic reality that an infectious disease disparately hospitalizes and kills people of color does not fade after we return to some form of normality. Writing this wrong will take a decades-long commitment. I strongly urge you to be part of that commitment. Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out. Wow. All right, that's pretty lame. Sounds like he's the only guy in the room that knows all the answers to all that stuff. Kind of reminds me of Margaret Sanger, who also knew that putting Planned Parenthood, you know, putting abortion clinics in black neighborhoods would disproportionately shave off their population. Or when Bill Gates talked about vaccines, reproductive services, and socialized medicine in developing African nations, that somehow that would 
control the world's population and reduce it from 9 billion to 6 billion. Remember that clip? It seems like these white monsters, these megalomaniacs that can't throw a baseball, that have no charisma, that were little man syndrome bookworms, and in Bill Gates' case, a college dropout. And a, now we know a womanizer who sought counsel from Jeffrey Epstein. What do I do with my next woman? Jeff? You know, I mean, what poor judgment is in charge of investing billions of dollars and making billions of dollars? What poor judgment is in control of vaccines? My goodness, we are, we are being led by some of the most demented individuals the world has ever seen. These megalomaniacs that want to control world populations. We've talked about in the past how Bill Gates' sickness in his head wanted to actually put a desktop on everybody's computer in the world, or everybody's desk in the world, that, that, that everybody should have a computer and it should be Windows. And they, you know, maliciously put Netscape out of business because they wanted the view of the they wanted the view of the world to be their agenda, and so that means that every time someone turns a computer on, they would see Internet Explorer and the Internet Explorer default page, and they would get to dictate and control the minds and the hearts of every pop every person in the in the world population that's what the whole browser war was about that's what the whole desktop war was about and microsoft won that pretty handily because of their strong arm tactics and their monopolistic tendencies and we really thought bill gates was a kind of a good guy a long time ago but no guy was a monster we didn't know that his dad and Fauci were hanging out at the time. We didn't know. We thought Bono was a cool dude. No, it turns out that Bono and the Bushes and Bill Gates and Bill Gates' cronies, all the people that he was dealing with, were trying to control populations. And now here you got Dr. Fauci, another libtard that's a segregationist. You know, we talked about vaccine passports and segregation. We talked about Joe. Joe Biden just said it. He said, "He said you're gonna um, there's gonna you're gonna pay the price." Biden says those who don't vaccinate will pay the price. Come hell or high water, one way or the other, you'll pay the price. You will pay the price if you don't take this vaccine. You will pay the price. It's the first time in the world's history to where civilized nations had their populations compelled or forced. The only other time that this has ever happened in a civilized nation was when Hitler actually trained people in to take a shower and mandated, clean up, only to find out that it was gas coming out of those shower heads, not water. I don't know the truth about vaccines. I don't know one way or the other. I'm not a scientist. But what I will tell you 
is that we have a constitution. We have a bill of rights. And if the vaccines work, God bless you. I'm not saying no to vaccines. I'm not telling you don't get one. I'm not saying get one. I'm saying read your bill of rights. Find out what the contract says you're entitled to. So let's take a listen to Rand Paul and what he has to say. All right, joining us now is the sworn enemy of the bully bunch, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Senator, the new CDC guidelines uh, prove that vaccinated people wearing masks was in fact theater. You were right. We've been calling on this mask thing just a complete farce since last May. Um, Do you expect an apology anytime soon from the so-called experts? (laughs) I kind of doubt it. I thought we were actually going the other way when last week Biden was wearing his during a Zoom call. And I guess I thought Fauci had told him he could get it through a web camera, you know. But uh, no, this is good news for all of us. But you're right. Amidst the good news, there's another set, set of nanny staters immediately saying, oh, no, no, we need to have people carry papers. But they seem to be discounting the fact that 30 million of us got the disease naturally. And there's an estimate by the CDC that there's two more people for every person that got a positive test. There's two other people who got it that did never get tested. That's about 100 million people. You're going to tell 100 million people you've got to get vaccinated again, even though you've had it. And if you don't, we're not going to let you travel. Look, I travel as part of my constitutional duties. I've had the disease. I don't plan on getting vaccinated until they show me evidence that people who have had the disease are getting it in large numbers and dying and that it's a serious illness that I might get vaccinated. But I just don't choose to at this point because I've had it. Are they going to prevent me from flying to Washington to do my uh, my constitutional duty because I don't want to submit to uh, one size fits all health care? And I don't think that anybody else's business is my health care. You know, these are personal, private decisions that I should get to make. Yeah, I mean, and for Dr. Fauci as well, it, it, it makes sense that the nanny state applies to kids most harshly somehow. If you have a parent that is vaccinated and was with their own child in the house, you don't need to worry about having the child masked or you masked. When a child is outside and is not vaccinated and interacting with other people, either in an outdoor or in an indoor setting, you want to make sure the child is masked. Uh, uh, Senator, he wants (laughs) kids masked up outdoors. Does Does the country realize how insane this is. I mean, it is mind-blowing. That statement by him is mind-blowing, what he wants to do to our kids. He probably has the highest IQ for someone who actually acts like an ignoramus every day of the week. I mean, really, kids don't get this disease. When they do get it, it's a mild form. They don't transmit it well. This is, we've got two years worth of evidence on this. We don't have rash of deaths on, uh, you know, age one to 10, one to 18. They still have their camp provision. They want them going around camp, wearing a mask, doing this six-foot stuff. There's no science behind it. It's all conjecture. It's all Tony Fauci, his way or the highway, Mr. Little Dictator. So, no, there's no science. Having, you know, the burden of proof should be on the state. If Fauci wants kids to mask up and wear masks everywhere, he should show us the science. Show us the evidence that kids are creating a... Uh, We've got to get your response. This newly released DHS bulletin that dropped on Friday afternoon saying that violent extremists may seek to exploit 
the easing of COVID-19 related restrictions to conduct attacks against a broader range of targets after previous public capacity limits reduced the opportunities for lethal attacks. Now, what are they saying? Because we're getting some of our freedom back that they had no right to take in the first place, the terrorists are coming? No, here's what it is, Laura. They think that when they're not wearing their masks, they'll be recognized now. So they're going to be more aggressive because with the mask, they could blend into the society. So I guess they're worried now that they'll be recognized and we have to be more vigilant because there's going to be more terror. It makes no sense. It's like everything else I've been saying. There's not a shred of of truth to any of the self-mitigation, distancing, all the things they've told us. None of them is there any evidence that any of it has worked to mitigate. The only thing that has slowed down the virus has been the vaccine and and natural immunity. Uh, And by the way, you know, um, the the states that have performed the best, like uh, Texas just had another uh, chart come out, zero deaths. So you compare that with New York, who's still locked down until tomorrow. Uh, And, uh, you know, there it is. It's like everything they told us is a lie. And we're supposed to still just believe them and double down on their stupidity. I disagree. So the same people that have brought you all that BS uh, are brought us also the election fraud. Let's take a listen. Matt DiPerno, an attorney in Michigan. Let's take a listen to this. And I'll tell you something we discovered this weekend. It's a little low. We can now show that after the election is done, someone, anyone really, who has access to those tabloids can reopen the election, run more ballots through the tabulator, print off a new tabulator tape with the new ballots, and backdate that tape to November 3rd. Now that directly affects the way our counties canvass. Remember, if you, the way canvassing works, you look at that tabulator tape compared to your poll books and the EMS. If the number of voters match on that tabulator tape compared to the poll book, they will certify your election. But to be able to discover that someone can re-enter that tabulator, run another election after the election day by stuffing ballots, and we've done this up to over 28 ballots we were able to do in, in small little sequences, just as test runs. You can do 100 if you want. You could do 1,000. You could probably do a million. But then to backdate that tabulator table, shows significant potential for fraud. And I go back to the beginning where I talked to you in in the beginning. It's the Secretary of State's job to run tests on these machines and to run tests on this source code. And she has failed to do this. My team should not be the people discovering this. We're doing the work of the FBI and the Department of Justice. We've done it in six months. And we've done it in six months. Wow. So what he's saying saying is these machines, 
there's no way to prove that these machines could uh anybody can cheat with these machines. Why would you ever have machines like that? Why would you ever have fractional proportionate calculating? Why would you ever have that? So there's just so much going on there as well. But we got a couple of other issues I want to talk about. Um, And uh, one of them is uh, there's this talk about this great reset. Okay, so I'm just going to paraphrase the article a little bit. It says, a timeline of the great reset agenda. How the Great Reset ideology pitched its tent in the new normal camp. So the pandemic represents a rare but natural... So so this is a guy named Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum. And he says, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world to create a healthier, more equitable, and more prosperous future. So in if you are World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab, you attempt to sell your vision of global utopia via a great reset of the world order in three simple steps. One, announce your intention to revamp every aspect of society and global governance, and keep repeating that message. When your message is getting to, when, when your message is getting through, simulate fake pandemic scenarios that show why the world needs a great reset. And three, if the fake pandemic scenarios aren't persuasive enough, wait a couple of months for a real global crisis to occur And repeat step one. It took Schwab and the Davos elite, you know, the big economic forum in Davos, six years it took them to watch their great reset ideology grow from a tiny Swiss seed in 2014 to a European super flower pollinating the entire globe in 2020. The so-called Great Reset promises to build a more secure and equal and more stable world if everyone on the planet agrees to act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies from education to social contracts and working conditions. I mean, already under the Biden uh, uh, rule here, we have a couple of things. We have trends that are basically saying there's no chance that they can win in 2022 because people are flat out rejecting their policies. But nevertheless, the damage is being done. Like, for example, Iran is returning back to the global oil markets. There's a Vienna um, treaty, or not a treaty, of Vienna meetings, meetings in Vienna, that are basically going to bring Iran back to the nation of uh, oil traders. And Biden is pushing to remove metal tariffs. You know those cheap metals that make buildings collapse easier? Well, Biden is pushing to remove the Trump executive orders for metal tariffs. 
to basically give our steel industry a fighting chance because these dirty metals, these cheap metals that aren't really advised, advisable to use are underselling our current steel industry. So there goes our steel manufacturing. Our, there goes our energy independence. And the pushback is people like Le Pen in the upcoming French, French election, the election in France, Le Pen is trending with police and military. 60% approval. So she's a, a little bit of a scary character because she's a socialist, but she's a nationalist populist. But she's like Hitler, a socialist. See, Trump was a national populist, capitalist, federalist, power to the states, decentralized government. The opposite of what the definition of fascism is. Because fascism, in its quick definition, is centralized authority. If someone were to ask you what fascism is, you can give them a really fast response and say, centralized authority. That's, that's in essence what it is. And so, you know, that's a quick way to do it. Centralized authority. And what Trump always pushed and advocated was decentralized authority, federalism, which was power to the states, and America First values, and advocating that everybody, every country, should put their interests first. So that's the World Economic Forum Utopia right there. Now, that, that article I posted, it's by globalresearch.ca. It's, it's a good article. It's quite long, and it gets kind of in deep. But this is part of their agenda, folks. So there is this really cool uh, article about the rise and fall of Bill Gates. And basically it says, when you're the world's richest men, and your company has extensive contracts with the Chinese government, and you declare in April 2020 that it is not the right time to investigate how COVID-19 pandemic began, you're going to generate some fierce critics. So when you're one of the world's richest men and you go on television and opine that the U.S. had reacted poorly to the virus, whereas China did a lot of things right, you're going to make some enemies. When you're one of the world's richest men and you call for keeping bars, we're talking about Bill Gates here, by the way, you call for keeping bars and restaurants closed for longer periods of time during a pandemic, you're going to make a lot of enemies. You know, prohibition didn't work too well, did it? When your big proposal to deal with future pandemics relies upon the Chinese government being honest and straightforward with the world from here on out, people may start to think you're not as smart as or perceptive as your massive fortune suggests you are. When you're one of the world's richest men and you announce you're getting divorced, some people will chuckle and the vi- at the vivid demonstration that money can't buy happiness. And when you're one of the world's richest men and after the announcement of your divorce, reports emerge that you took marital advice from your buddy Jeffrey Epstein that your company had to deal with your inappropriate workplace relationships and harassment claims, people may wonder why you ever accumulated social, social stature and perceived authority with, with your fortune. You know, that's something we all have to ask, isn't it? 
Also, uh, tomorrow we're going to be talking about this article that I wanted to cover today. There is no way to fix the Equality Act. It's identity politics or equality before the law, and Republicans must make a choice. The Equality Act is a racist act. There can be no compromise with those political program, those whose political program requires erasing American citizens' constitutionally guaranteed rights to freely speak and freely worship. Yeah, of course. We're going to cover a little bit more of that in the week to come. Uh, one of the other things is uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is ordering the shutdown of an oil pipeline during a gas crisis. Why is she doing that? In the wake of Colonial Pipeline, right? That doesn't make any sense. The other um, article that I wanted to cover today, um, but we're not going to have time today, is uh, something that Rick Rennell put out there. Rick Rennell was talking about uh, Susan Rice, Susan Rice being a shadow president, Susan Rice. And we're going to be getting into that tomorrow as well. And uh, the reason why that's interesting is because a lot of the Obama players, whether it be, you know, um, Valerie Jarrett being on the board of uh, Lyft and Lyft getting involved with all these social justice issues and vaccines and free transport to different places to push the COVID, push the vaccines. But in general, and also giving work to a lot of the refugees and uh, illegal citizens that are making their way into America, uh, you'll find that most of these people are getting jobs in gig economies. So there's a lot of interesting factors going on with that. We're going to be talking about that. But Susan Rice... She has the goods on uh, Joe Biden because, remember, she was in that January 5th meeting, 2017, where she wrote the perfect letter on January 20th, on Inauguration Day for Donald Trump. She has got leverage over Biden that you couldn't even imagine, right? And I believe she is, the sh- and Rick Grinnell believes she is your shadow president. And, and it's Barack Obama's third term. That's why we're seeing this hatred of America. That's why we're seeing it. Uh, Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show for today. Uh, It's been a pleasure. And be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the podcast. Be sure to check out the great work we're doing over at buglecall.org and magapack.org. One and the same organization, really. And with that, my name is Scott Adams. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.